Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, guys, what's going on? It's me, Jason. And it wasn't as always last week, but most of the time it's as always. Well, as always means with that you're here. Oh, uh, I guess that's true. When you're on, I'm usually on. That's true. That is true. <laughs> yes, and this is our Christmas week episode. So Merry Christmas, everybody from us. As your gift, I'm here. You're welcome. <laughs> and for everybody who listens, you get the pleasure of listening. <laughs> Yay! That's right. You get to hear my dulcet tones once again. Thanks for all the well wishes from everybody. When I was sick last week, it was a not good situation. There was a lot of laying on the couch, moaning in misery. Just there was a there was a lot of moaning. That's for sure. <laughs> it was, and it, w- it wasn't all coming from you either. Some of it was from me. No, it was awful. I felt terrible and uh, had a lot of grading to get through. It was, whoa, it was it was rough. It was a rough week. But I am definitely on the other side of it. I I had some dairy already tonight, so a little a little Ben and Jerry's fish food. So I am like sugared up. Of course, have that awful milkiness in my throat. So it's going to be great. It's going to be a great episode. That's like a deep cut throwback, right? That there. That is a way deep cut. Um, <laughs> no orange slices, though. Unfortunately, that's true. We've that's true. Been betrayed. No, but it's good to be back. I was setting up everything for us to record, and I thought, how do I do this again? (laughs) That's when I know it's been way too long, and we've missed way too many episodes, so we're hoping to get things back on track for your listening pleasure. Yep. We'll try to get a little more normalcy starting in 2023. As normal as we can get. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we're just pretty okay. It's not like, you know, we're, you know, a good podcast. We're just okay. (laughs) That's right. We don't get paid for this. And that's our gift to you. So let's hit up news. Uh, Jason gave you some last week, I believe. Did you talk? Yes, I did. You talked about the Lords of Vegas Kickstarter? Yes, and board game tables becoming all play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah some big news out there. Uh, but I, I railed on the Lords of Vegas um kickstarter pretty nice i'm so i'm sure you did you didn't have me to temper you you just got to run away with saying whatever you wanted to say <laughs> i mean I, it wasn't as fun being mean by myself so it was just more <laughs> like uh you know slight uh tongue lashes but it was fine yeah it's not not quite getting out the soapbox but this week i have um just two kickstarter games that look fun and one is actually very holiday apropos so i want to start with dungeons and co or dungeons and company um this is from we ride games and you i I love the theme of this you are um a dungeon contractor and you've been hired to help this evil empress build the deadliest dungeon imaginable um, to keep her, her um, like, treasure safe, which I think is a fun kind of meta-like look. So there are tiles that you can go and buy from the marketplace um, to then put and arrange your dungeon and actually um that's really key because different tiles will like play off of each other they have to have like code requirements kind of thing because you're like a building contractor Um, but then also there's synergies between the tiles so depending on where you place them in your dungeon is important and then actually adventures come 
like get sent your way um and so like you want to have like things that'll kill them off and like if they don't survive like you get the stuff they have which is how you get money to buy you know work on your dungeon and make it even bigger and better uh the artwork is cute it's very like tongue-in-cheek kind of there's orcs and dungeoneers and traps that you can put in there and necromancers of course i mean just lots of really cool interesting little things in this game and i just think it's cute it's fun i love those kind of um like meta themes much like um bargain quest where you were providing like outfits to adventurers this is okay we're building a dungeon to keep adventurers out so if you're interested in that kind of a flip on a dungeon crawl uh, check out dungeons and co or dungeons and company i don't know how you want to say it I like Dungeons & Co. Um, There's five days left on that Kickstarter from when this episode drops. And it's 49 bucks for the base pledge. Yeah, this reminds me of that uh, game from Slugfest called Dungeon Decorator. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where where you're going around like decorating a dungeon. It's not the same, I don't think. But just when you were talking about it initially, it reminded me of that. Yeah, this looks pretty good. There isn't... There's not a ton of information on how to play the game on the Kickstarter without watching the videos, which I refuse to do. Um, or I could just download the rule book, which I also refuse to do. <laughs> but the basic gist. And they've got like extra pledge tiers too. With, um, like you can actually play this with 5e, it looks like. 5e compatible monster stat book, which I think that has a lot of interesting potential if you want to use um, some of the characters in here and stuff. So I think that there's some cool crossovers for those of us that do D&D and role play. So, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I know you're not interested. It's fine. This next game you might be interested. And I believe I covered this a couple years ago when it was just a print play. And so the next game I want to talk about is Bah Humbug and the 12 Games of Christmas. I just I, I like I like a good Christmas theme. And so this is interesting because it um, it is there is a game Bah Humbug, but then there's also in the same box using the same cards there are twelve other games in there, all from different designers that you can play with those cards, which I kind of like. That it reminds me a little bit of like Mr. Jack Pocket, where there are many different ways to play with the cards that exist in there. But the basic game of Bah Humbug is like, it reminds me of a game that we used to play as kids called BS. So you've got these cards that show the different gifts from the 12 days of Christmas, right? Very popular Christmas Carol. And what I also love about what they did with this game is the cards are like Victorian inspired looks from the 12 days of Christmas. And I just think that fits the theme so well. I really love that kind of old school, like kind of Dixonian, Dickensian. Maybe it's Dickensian. I don't know. Look to them. Uh, So you set up these cards that are the wreath and they're all the 12, they're the 12 days. And then you go around in order and everyone plays cards from their hand, which look like letters on the back. And so you play a card face down and it starts like with number 12. So if you're the first person to play, you're supposed to say, you know, oh, you know, on the 12th days of Christmas, uh, I set my true love, you know, 12, is it 
Don't ask me. I know five gold rings. Maybe ten lords leaping. Twelve drummers drumming. I thought it's eleven drummers drumming. Twelve lords leaping. Twelve. Uh, uh, yeah. Twelve drummers drumming. You're right. Yeah, eleven pipers piping. Ten lords leaping. Nine ladies dancing. Okay. I know some stuff about Christmas time. I I love Christmas time. I couldn't sing up to it, and I was like, I can't sing backward. So if you're 12, so you're like, oh, I sent my show of 12 drummers drumming, you lay it down. The next person's like, oh, okay, I sent 11 pipers piping, and then 10. So if you ever think someone's lying, because there's a certain number of cards, like there are nine of nine ladies dancing, you can call Bah Humbug, which, so you turn over the mailbox in the middle to say bah humbug on it and if that person lied they get um a coal and no if that person's a lie the accuser takes a holly berry so you can win if you get three holly berries that means you're nice or you can win if you get five lumps of coal because you were the naughtiest so what's interesting is after you someone calls bah humbug, then you actually resolve the cards that are laid out on the wreath. So you check to see if people were lying. So if someone actually lied, they um, when you're resolving the cards, they get the coal. Um, if they told the truth and it matches, nothing happens. But there's also a mailman. Uh, the postman's out there, and you can play the postman at any time. And the postman is actually always counts as truth but what happens is once the postman's revealed you stop resolving the cards on the wreath so that's the way that you can stop people from either getting lumps of coal or holly you know holly berries by playing the postman and he kind of stops because he's pick he picks up all the other letters right no one else can earn coal that way so you can win by either calling out calling out people who are lying and getting holly berries for it or by getting away with lying so many times that you get all the coal i think it's cute and it's again a game that most people have played with regular cards at some point in their lives so it'd be very easy to teach but now you've got a cool christmas theme then there's these other games they have on them like deck build the halls that's got deck building and trick taking there's card manipulation. There's Dress the Mantle, which is card laying and set collection. You've got a cooperative Duke's Daughters by Kayomi Kawasumi. And there's different, um, the Giving Spirit is trick-taking. So you've got all these like different, and they're all by different uh, designers, which I think is really cool. And they've got all different kinds of player counts. And they have all of these different um types of mechanics within them so there's i think a lot to offer in this and now it's moved from like a print and play to this actual like kind of fleshed out game so i think it's really cool so if you like social deduction if you like little card games if you like holiday themed games check out bah humbug and the 12 games of christmas there are 10 days left in the kickstarter and it's 29 dollars so everything you were saying about this game sounds cool, but it reminds me of this other game that has it has five or six games in it. It's called Stonehenge. Hmm. All the games are designed by different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who did Kill Dr. Lucky, Bruno Faduti, Richard Garfield, uh, a war game designer, Richard Borg, all designed a game using the components from this game. The issue with this one is it's got terrible reviews and it's rated like a five. Ooh. So because of this, I know about this one. Games like that make me nervous. 
yeah, so that's my only hesitance is sometimes there's one good game in the box. But, you know, I don't know. It's, it's all cards, so it might not be too bad. Right. It seems like one good game with some good components because, like, the holly berries are cool and so are little lumps of coal. And the card design is is really neat looking. So I feel like it's, it wouldn't be a bad um, gamble to take on an actual, like, Christmas-themed game because there hardly are any of those that exist. Yeah, that's true. That is true. So, yeah, that's my news for this week after Jason totally rained on my parade. Sorry, I wasn't raining on that. I was just, it just made me think about the other thing. All right, so we're going to talk about some games that we actually played a few weeks ago, but um, we haven't played a ton of games, so this is what we have. I was too busy Uh, dying, sorry. Yeah, that's true. And I've been tired from a new job. Long story, who cares? Um, (laughs) But the first game we're going to talk about is a game that we've played multiple times. But this time we used some different expansions. And this is Marvel United, X-Men, and we played with the Sentinels and Nimrod. I don't know if that's one module or two. I think it's one. Um, but effectively, it still plays like Marvel United, X-Men. It came with a different character. I think I was Old Man Logan. Uh, and everybody else was just regular X-Men characters, I think. But what happens in this is, if they're playing with four people, three people are targeted by one of these Sentinels. And what that means is, after you take your turn... The Sentinel is going to move, and it's going to follow someone, and it, it, your Sentinel will follow you. Um, if it lands on you, it may do some stuff, all that kind of thing. But you're trying to knock these Sentinels out by getting on the space and hitting them. And then once you knock out all the Sentinels, as long as you're still alive, then you got to fight Nimrod. Nimrod has a pile of health, um, and he's just kind of a pain in the neck. He's not super difficult to fight. He just moves around a lot and is strong. But we managed to win. I think I was the only person left alive. We squeaked out a win. <laughs> and it was fun. I like Marvel United. I like Marvel United X-Men. Adding some of those expansions and just changes the game around. It's still the same basic gameplay, but the way bad guys move and all that stuff, it just makes it a little more enjoyable. So how do you feel about this one? Yeah, I mean, I X-Men is my favorite. So I really loved that. It didn't have my favorite characters, but, you know, I lived for this one. But the Sentinels have always been, you know, like a major player for me. And so it was cool. And they are humongous. So our friend that owns this, I I don't, I got the super, I don't know if it's the super deluxe or it just came with them. Yeah, he he bought everything. They were an extra add-on, I think, the Sentinels. So are these, they're these giant, a, like, sentinels and they're huge and like positioned like they're exactly what i would think sentinels are and that was really cool to move them around and manipulate them and like fight against them i like that this was so hard (laughs) like the combination of the sentinels plus fighting nimrod it was rough it was really rough but it was really fun um i mean i really liked marvel united it wasn't overtaxing and again like yeah it was rough but Everyone knows I don't really enjoy super brutal cooperative games. And I don't ever think that Marvel United feels that way. Even if we do lose, I don't think it felt. It's just because it's cute. It's chibis, man. So I feel like they can't be yeah. that mean. But it was good. It's also yeah. it's also 30 minutes long, too, which does help about the, punish, Agreed. the punishing part. Agreed. Agreed. And that, that quickness, I think, is great. Um, and it just brought back, you know, my love for... Like the '90s X-Men um, cartoon that I will probably end up watching again. 
because it's so good and just it reminded me of that there's nostalgia there and it's just a fun game like it was good i liked it yeah and i've said this before the expansions are fun and they just add more scenarios but if you just get a base box of either regular united or x-men there's like two or three bad guys in each of them i think maybe maybe or even four you can play those a bunch of times in a row and just have a good time oh yeah absolutely um, there's tons of replayability in that base box, but those expansions are pretty slick. I'm not going to like poop them on them. They're pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, th- this was cool. The minis, take it or leave it. Uh, I don't really care about that, but they did look cool on the board. So I-, I will give you that. For sure. So the next game, going from minis and cooperation, we're going to a little card game called Pirate 21. And I didn't even, I'd never even heard about this no, game. No, me either. The, the same friend brought this game over and... Uh, I wanted to play it because it looked interesting and I never heard of it. And basically what this game is, is it's 21. So the name is not misleading, <laughs> no. but it's a pi- it's a pirate theme game. So all the cards have some kind of pirate on them and, the- and each of the pirates have a special ability and the pirates have like a number range, like maybe five through seven, whatever for the, for each type, whatever. And on your turn, you're going to start with two cards. One of them is going to be face up. One's going to be face down, just like in the game 21. When it comes to your turn, you're going to either... Draw a new card and swap one out. Um, use an ability on a card or just like hit the deck and just take a new card. Eventually, someone's going to maybe have a good enough score and they're going to knock. What that means is that's going to be the last round. Then people are going to reveal their hands and see who has the closest score to 21 or 21. Uh, and you're going to get some kind of points. I don't remember. We played this a while ago. I can't remember. You get one you like, get, like gold coin oh, if yeah, you gold win. coins. And you get a second one if you knock. Right. And you're just trying to get like four gold coins or something, I think, mm-hmm. over the course of the game. We played it twice in a row because Katie won real fast the first time we wanted to try it again. And I won the um, second time, so, too. That's true. So this game is literally, it's 21 with a pirate theme mm-hmm. with some special abilities. So think of like Gamery 21. That's what this game is. It was way more interesting than I thought it was going to be, but I like 21 uh, and just having those special powers and a little bit of bluffing. I think just added to the, the, the 21 game a little bit. So I dig this one. How do you feel about Pirate 21? It's like if Blackjack and Love Letter had a baby. That's really what this yeah. game is like. Um, That's true. Yeah, 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 I can see that. Because you get to use the power of the card. One of the cards in front of you can either be the card revealed or the card that's face down. Um, and then as you hit, you're getting more abilities and that's allowing you to manipulate your own cards to manipulate other people's cards um so yes you're trying to get 21 but then you're also using those abilities to wreck other people's 21 or help yourself get to 21 so i knocked a lot because i would get myself in order and then just start taking everybody else out or like i was concerned where everybody else was um the strategy in this like i don't know it just worked for me like I was firing at all cylinders because if you knock and then I think I think if you knock and you end up winning, you get you get two, two coins. You get, you get two coins. Normally, you just get one. Yeah. So that happened several times for me, which also helped me win. Um, and then I knew other people would end up twenty one. So like, you can look at people's cards. You can have people trade cards. You can have them get rid of a card, take another one. Um, you can use one to guess a card that someone has, and it can. Uh, make it go away i think yeah i don't remember the powers at all it was really fun i never heard of it before i liked it a lot i think this is a great again another one of those great games to play with people um 
who really aren't into games because people know how to play blackjack. And so then it's just kind of layering on these powers, which makes it a little more fun for you to have more strategy to it. Like, um, and it also helped that I won. So that made me feel good. So yeah. yeah the, thing that, the thing that I thought was really interesting is when you're using a card that's face down, people are going to know what that card is because you can't lie. You have to use a card that you actually have. Right. But the cards have like different numbers. So you you I you know I have a number range. You don't know which number that I have. Which I think is pretty interesting because, you know, maybe I have the lowest number, but you know, you might think I have the highest number when you're doing the math in your head and all that kind of thing. It's just I don't know. It it's a little bit of that's that's a little bit of like the the gamesmanship there with that piece. But yeah, it's really good. And I, if you've never heard of this game and you like twenty one, go check it out. Go, if you can find it, if you've ever seen it. It's it's pretty good. I know I hadn't seen there. I was just actually going to look it up on BGG. I guess Asmodee Asmodee is a publisher of it. So yeah, I don't know where he probably found this at Half Price Books or something. He gets a lot of games from there. So yeah, I don't know. Um, it's not a looker. the The outside of the box is not a looker, but the art and the cards is actually pretty good, and the game is really fun. Some people it's, are selling it on Geek Market. There's one for ten bucks. Well, there you go. 10 bucks, you can have this fun game that you probably never heard of. Are you going to get it? Because I kind of want this. I don't know. We'll, we'll look into it. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. It was good. I, I really enjoyed myself, actually. All right. So we were going to talk about three. I took one out just for the sake of time. So that is the games that we played. Okay. So we are finally back on track and it's mostly my fault to getting to our top 100 games of all time. It's probably not going to happen before the new year, but we'll just take it just into the new year as we get prepped um, to look at some new games in 2023. But today we're talking about games, our top, we're into our top 50 now. So games from 50 to 41. So we're in the 40s. Oh, there's some good games here. I am super pumped to talk about these games. And some of them, you've heard us, the other one of us, talk about them before now. Um, there's a few on here that, like, I think Jason has got some fake news, but all really awesome games. So, babe, why don't you get started? All right. So my number, whatever we're starting 50. on, 50. Jeez. <laughs> I, was, I was looking up part 21 and then I forgot the numbers. I just said top um, 50. I know that I was reading and I can't do two things at a time. Um, so my number 50 is actually an Alexander Fister game. And this is a campaign slash legacy game, but we've only played the just set up a board and go game. So a standalone, just single game. And this is called Maracaibo. And this is a game about uh, exploring islands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maracaibo is one of those islands. Uh, there's lots of other islands, but effectively what you're doing is you're moving this boat around a rondelle and you're taking actions on these islands. You may be able to make deliveries. You may be able to do some battling. You may be able to pick up some of your explorers that are going to give you some extra actions. Um, you're basically just trying to score a lot of points. It's a lot of moving cubes around, unlocking things on your ship. Uh, you're getting these cards that you can play that are really cool. There's piles of cards that you can get and play, and they help you build an engine, give you one-time abilities, all that kind of thing. It feels like some of the new, the newer Fister games, but I think this one kind of started some of that the the trend there. And I like it. I'd like to play it more, but it's a pain in the butt to teach because there's a lot going on, and 
so many things are like one-off rules, which is the typical Alexander Fister thing, which is why I don't like teaching the games. But if someone knows how to play it and they want to teach you, jump in on that game and play it because it's really fun. Or learn it yourself and play it solo. You can do that too, and you, you'll probably enjoy it. So my number 50, Maracaibo. Yeah, I really like this game. It's good. I don't know if I've talked about it or if I'm going to talk about it. Um, I don't even understand how you would campaign or legacy this one, I guess, because it just seemed really like a straightforward game to me. And there's a ton going on um, that it's super enjoyable just to put it down and play it. Yeah, there's like some arbitrary story cards and then some tiles that you can put over some of the spaces to change them up or something. Mm. I, I haven't looked too much into it because I don't want to learn all that. But. Do we own this? Yeah. yeah. Oh, we need to play it some more. Anyway, uh, my number 50, Jason talked about, and I don't know if he talked about it on one of our Facebook Lives or on his own list because I don't pay that much attention. Uh, but this game is so good, and a lot of it has to do with theme, and that is Covert. Uh, Covert we picked up on a random special table one time on this, like, let's take a chance. It's like we're picking up orphan games or something. But Covert has a really awesome spy theme, and it, it it does it through like almost these different mini games kind of these different places on the board um, where you can move people to different cities. Um, you are trying to get these different like piece of spy equipment that you need to complete missions. You can manipulate like this lock on a briefcase to get things that you need. Um, there's just lots of really like fun little stuff happening. And you do this through dice placement, I believe is how you place your worker. Yes. Yep, um, that's right. Which I think is, which like kind of limits your options and helps put you in different directions. Um, kind of limits what you can do. But that theme is so cool. I don't see people talk about it very often. Like I feel like this is a super underrated game. Um, it hasn't hit our table in a while. And I think that that's a mistake because I think that, other people would really enjoy this. This is kind of um, a pretty good medium weight game, like just past family, probably, but not that much past family because all the things that you're doing there, really pretty straightforward. But then you're kind of using the mechanic that I love, which is using like dice as your workers. So yeah, my number 50 is Covert. Yeah, this is a good one. I think I talked about it just earlier in the podcast, okay. I believe. Uh, but who knows? Who knows? It's on, it was it's on my list somewhere for sure. Um, so my number forty nine is a game that I poo pooed on because it had a lot of hype, <laughs> and I was being an anti hype guy. Mm -hmm. You know, the hip the hipster that I am. Right. <laughs> but my number forty nine is Wingspan, and we have everything except the newest expansion for this, which I think is what Asia. Asia, yes. Yeah. And uh, all this is a, a it's a card game of sorts, but effectively what you're doing is you're selecting one of three different action, uh, yeah, three different three or four different actions on your turn by these little cubes, and then you're trying to be able to play cards down on your little tableau to build an engine, and then as you play cards down, you're going to fire off this engine. You may get cards when you play stuff. You may get cards uh, stuff on other people's turns. You may get some end-of-game scoring bonuses. You may get to produce some eggs, all that kind of thing. And you're just trying to make your tableau of birds the best to score the most points. Uh, there's a cool dice tower that you roll some dice in to get resources. The expansions add bajillions of more cards. 
a few new mechanisms in each of them, but mostly it's just a pile of cards that there's already a pile of cards in the base game, so you're never going to see them all. But if you like interesting engine builders uh, that you know don't outstay their welcome, have some, and every card is different. That that this all the cards are different in this, which is pretty cool. Then I say check out Wingspan, my number forty nine. Yeah, I really enjoy this game. I'm not sure it is for me, but it's super good. Um, my sister has mentioned that that the Asia expansion is really pretty to me a couple times, so I'm hoping that means she bought it for me for Christmas. Because I said, yes, I don't own it. It's beautiful. You can play that one two players only. It comes with its own like two-player standalone game, too, the Asia one. Yeah. I, there, I really I love this game. I love a good engine builder, and I freaking hate birds. That shows you how good this game is. If I like it True. so much. Uh, my number 49 is a tiling game, which normally I hate because it's all like you have to manipulate like the objects in space. And I can't do that. But this one pretty much straight up squares and it's got a great puzzly element to it. And uh, Asian themed Vincent Dutrait art. Hello. I actually knew that. And that is the 100 Tori. 100 Tori. I think Jason mentioned this one actually on... Um, a, a on a video but i like it a lot more and the more i play it the more it grows on me you are laying these tiles and you're creating paths for this beautiful japanese garden to connect these garden decorations and you want to try to make a really long path so that you can pass through more tori gates so that you can get more stuff you can collect more of these really cool decorations and that's how you get points is by collecting sets and groups of five so five and then ten and on up um the artwork is beautiful. I love the whole theme. Um, and I love that puzzle of trying to trace everything through and like, oh, if I put this here, if I put that there. Um, and it's, again, deceptively simple. On your turn, you draw a tile and then you play a tile. I mean, that that's it. But the choice, the choice is is so difficult so strategic and I just really love that brain teaser. So that's why it's my number 49, the 100 Tory. Yeah, it's good. It's a cool puzzle. I just hate how small the box is and setting up is a pain in the neck. But it is a good game, though, mm-hmm. outside of that. So my number 48 is, I'm going to say this is the only Eric M. Lang game in my top 50. Uh, I think that's true. <laughs> I think I already talked about the other one that I like. And this is The Godfather Corleone's Empire. Uh, it's, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's just Eric Lang. I wasn't sure if he had a co-designer. But this is a worker placement game where uh, it's set in the Godfather movie IP universe, but who cares? You're sending uh, your workers out to these locations to get resources, which are uh, guns, drugs, blood money, and you can also get um, Molotov cocktails. And you're using those resources to fulfill contracts, which basically means... You're going to be earning money because the goal of the game is to have the most money in your briefcase. The tricky part is you're using that money to bid for stuff throughout the game. You're using that money. Um, I, th- I think that's it. You're just trying to bid for some of the extra characters after each round. Yeah. And by completing contracts, you can kill other people's characters, which throws them in the Hudson. Um, you can clean out some areas. You may be able to shake down other businesses again. You may be able to move one of your worker to somewhere else and, and activate that ability. whole bunch of stuff going on. It's super mean. It's one of the meaner games that I like, but 
it's a great time. It's super fun. I think Katie talked about it before. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've heard a little bit about it already, but it's a fantastic game. If you like worker placement games, you like a little bit of, well, a lot of interaction in your games, then check this one out. So my number 48, The Godfather, Corleone's Empire. Super fun. Um, who doesn't love to be a gangster? It's great. Feels good to be Wangsta. a gangster. I had to edit myself. I was going to say the bad word. Since I have such a potty mouth on. Yeah. What's new? Oh, my gosh. I just beat myself out, I guess. Uh, my number 48 is a huge favorite um, from some of our friends, the board game rundown. Some of them like it so much that I want to not like it. <laughs> like that's so much they love this game. But it is good. And I haven't played it in a while. And I think that needs to change. And that is Taverns of Tiefenthal. Or Tiefenthal. Or however you want to say it. I don't care. I say Taverns of Tiefenthal. So like I was mentioning um, in the covert game. Wow, this must be my dice placement kind of section. Um, You're using dice then to work in your tavern, upgrade it, um, serve customers, you know, utilize the people that you have in there to get the most points. I mean, classic Euro with a really kind of cool theme. There is an expansion to it that we don't have. Yeah, it just came out in America. I think I saw it at uh, the game store. Yes, my sister mentioned this one to me also. So I don't know. I don't know what she's doing. She may just have seen it and is just saying things to me to make conversation. We, ha- we have this one, so hopefully she's not buying this one. No, she said she saw an expansion. And I said, oh, yeah, we, oh. we do have that base game. She's like, oh, yeah, because yeah, it did say you have to have the base game. I'm like, yes, yes. we do. So I don't know. That's how expansions work. Yeah. So I don't know if she bought that one or not. Who knows? But anyway, it is a fun game. We haven't played it in a while. It has all these modules. Um, apparently, people play them, you know, like add one module or two modules. No. We never play That's it. That's for losers. I didn't realize that was an option until other people started talking about it because from the very beginning, we played everything. And honestly, I don't think it's that much, but maybe... Maybe that's craziness talking, but I feel like it's it's a really fun game. It's got a fun theme. Um, I'm actually surprised it's this high on my list. I kind of call fake news on myself because the more I think about it, the more I'm like, eh, it's okay. But I do think I would totally would play it. Like it's definitely one on. It's a high interest for me, and I know that it's quality. So I think that's what made it so high on my list. Um, I also loved using dice as workers and like having to manipulate or like fall within the constraints of what they have rolled to give to me. So I like that aspect of this game a lot too. So that is my number 48 taverns of Tiefenthal. It is a good game. Uh, I think I talked about it already. I don't remember. My number 47 is a game that uh, we've had in our collection for quite some time. And it's a game about archeology span and digging up stuff, relics from the past. And it's called Thebes. Uh, in this game, you're basically trying to uh, get knowledge of certain areas so you can go dig for artifacts. And what that means is you're going to be spending time plus some knowledge that you have to reach into this bag and hopefully pull out some good stuff. Because in that bag is a pile of dirt, which makes sense, but there's also some stuff in there that's worth points. Uh, the more time you spend, the longer you have to wait for your turn because whoever spent has the least amount of time spent gets to go first, like the Kaido thing. 
and um, you're just trying to get as much stuff as you can to score points. You can look at it. You can um, put stuff in the museum for a whole world to see and all that kind of thing. It's a, a great game. It's super easy to play. It's fun. If you like push your luck, the bag thing can be a little bit brutal, but I enjoy that kind of thing. So if you don't like it, get over yourself. My number 47, Thebes. Yeah, um, it's funny you should mention that because I really like this game. In fact, I like it just as much as you because my number 47 is also Thebes, which that's the first time that's happened on this list, on, on our list like from 200 to now. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think we did it a couple of times last year, but I don't. I bet the top 10 will uh, have some more. I don't know, because you've got one that's in my top 10, oh, I think. In... I have some weird stuff in my top 10 this year. Yeah, I I think you've lost your mind. <laughs> but yeah, Thebes <laughs> is is so good. Um, also, like, why would you be upset about that bag building thing? Like, it's so thematic. If I'm going on a dig site and I'm digging for, like, archaeological artifacts, um, I'm bound to find a lot of dirt. And if other people have been there digging before me, there's bound to be less artifacts there. Like, Yeah, you, you think Dr. Grant was digging up a dinosaur every single time he went out to a dig site? No, he dug dirt until he found those dinosaur bones. Right, I mean, like, Indy had to, like, teach sometimes because he couldn't always find the artifacts. Well, if he quit giving it to the museum and he sold that stuff, he well, wouldn't have to teach if anymore. If he quit like hanging out with these dumb broads that didn't help him out, that's also part of the problem. <laughs> that's true. I was so that irritated. I'm like, who's this? And chick? I don't know if we can say. I don't know if we can say dumb broad on the podcast. I can say it. <laughs> that's true. You are allowed. To say I'll that. say whatever I want. No censor me. I don't have any sponsors. Get mad if you want. Come at me. I don't care. <laughs> um, no, like I mean, I don't care. The chick from like, Temple of Doom, the worst. The worst. Now, the girl in the first one, moderately helpful. Marion, yeah, she's she's helpful. Yes. She still gets into some trouble, though, but she's helpful. I know. It's like, I don't know. In order to be a heroine in like one of those action movies, you just have to freaking lose your mind. Like, oh, I know. I'm just going to pretend to be drunk, and then I act like, oh, oh I, should. I, can't, I can't even. Anyway, derailed. Thebes. Thematically, it works so well. Um and then, like, also, do I display these, like, at, like, an academic, like, museum? Um, how am I going to get places? The fact that time takes. Uh, it's just, it's so good. It is not a looker. No. It's, well, I think it looks great. Oh, my gosh. You're wrong. But it's really fun. And, like, oh, I gather. It has, like, these cool dials. So it's like, oh, I have studied this area. I understand Palestine. So using the knowledge that you have, like, actually helps you use less time to get and do as much digging, which, again, thematic sense. Like, that's what I think is so great about this game. I think that makes it easy to explain to people also because the theme is worked into the mechanics. Um, and I, I just love the idea of being like that archaeologist in all these different areas. So, yeah, my number 47 is also Thebes. What area of the world is Thebes? Is that even a uh, city? Yes. Yeah, so much. It's not gosh, Egypt, right? No, it's not Egypt because no. Egypt's on the game. Well, yes and no. It's hard to. Yes. Yes. It's Egypt, in Egypt. There's a spot on that board. I know. But like you don't go like you can go to Egypt. Thebes is in is, is part of it. You know what I mean? So like they just, okay, so just they refer to like the whole civilizations. Like the minor the like 
the Minoan civilization, oh, which yeah, is on that's Crete. True, that's true. Like Palestine, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is all of that area, like Greece. So it's not like, oh, I go to Athens, but I go to Greece. So if you go to Egypt, you're technically like covering like Thebes and probably Alexandria and whatever else. So that just goes to show that theme to me is completely irrelevant. Just let me pull stuff out of a bag and have fun. That's not that's true at all. You just said. Stop. Talk about number 46. <laughs> My number 46 could also have no theme because it's a failed game. <laughs> and it is called Aquasphere. And this is a game about being on a deep sea Aquasphere? science station Aquasphere thing. There are submarines that come in, and there's octopods that get inside. But basically what you're doing is you're programming these robots, and you're moving your little scientists around to these different um, sec- sections of your aquasphere, and you're using your program robots to take actions. Uh, you may be able to fight off octopods, pick up some gems. I don't know why there's gems, but whatever. Uh, you may get to bring in your submarine to dock it in the space. You may get to um, earn some time because you have to spend time moving around the aquasphere. Uh, it's... A super tight failed game. There's a, a lot going on, but also not a lot going on at the same time. But it feels like you're really limited in what you can do. There's only a couple things you can do in your turn. And every action that you take has to be the exact action or you will mess yourself up. Uh, I like it. Not everybody's a fan. but as, And as far as failed games go, it has color. It has cool bits. And I dig that. So my number 46, Aquasphere. Yeah, I don't like this one at all. I played it once and I was like, this is dumb. Sorry. I don't have the same love for, any, for you know, Feld crapping in a box. And you're like, yeah, this is great. Feld's crap in a box is excellent crap. All right. Yeah. Aquasphere is not it. It's not it. Even though I appreciate <laughs> the color. It's not good. My number 46 is good. And uh, it kind of took off on the hotness. So, you know, Jason wants to poo-poo it. Uh, but for me, it reminded me so that, much. That's not why I poo-poo it. We'll get to that in a minute. All right. But for me, it reminds me so much of a game I do like, Terraforming Mars, with a theme that I like that is not stupid space. So my number 46 is Arc Nova. So Arc Nova, you are building out your zoo. How cool is that? And you're doing it through this really great action selection Um which you can also upgrade. There's a lot of like card play. Cards can synergize off of each other, which, oh, ooh, ooh, I love that. I love that. Um, you have to be able to like get goals and achieve them as part of your actions that you're taking. Like money and like resources can be tight. Uh, there is a lot of really good stuff about this game. Some people think it goes on a little too long. And, and I can see that, which people say about Terraforming Mars as well. Um, and with the way they changed Terraforming Mars to have like, um, oh shoot, what's the name of like the introductory stuff now? Prelude. Prelude. I think you could even do that with Ark Nova and that would shorten the game. But I still really enjoy it. Like I like trying to get as many animals as I can in my zoo. Um I like the variety of the animals. I like building a good engine. I just really enjoyed this. Is it ugly? Absolutely. Um, but I thought it was fun. So number 46 is Arc Nova. Uh, I agree it goes on too long. I think it takes the best parts of Terraforming Mars and makes them not as cool. What? And Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, something about it. It's not even because it's new hot. Yes, it's not it is. It anymore. absolutely is because of that. 
we played this twice. The second time, I will say, was better because it went a little faster. But I don't know. I just when I play this game, I just want to play Terraforming Mars. I like Terraforming Mars better. Hmm. Okay, you're allowed to be wrong. I'm I'm in the minority. That's probably fine, and I, I I'll take the the hate if people have hate. <laughs> so my number forty five is an Uwe Rosenberg game, mm. and it's one that is not about feeding your people. Wow. It's about traveling around to places, gathering goods, and then selling those goods. And it's called Mercator. I mean, I guess you could be feeding people. Yeah. I mean, there's probably some people getting fed somewhere, but you don't have to do it. So that feels good. So in this game, what you're doing is you're controlling this little pond. You're moving it to a location. And you're either collecting the goods that that location provides. There's a whole bunch of different color cubes. And each of the cubes can be a couple different things. And you're try- when you take the cube, you're trying to decide which thing you want it to be because you're trying to use the goods that you have on your player board, your storage depot, to then get to a certain location of a card that you have that needs those goods to sell those goods. Wherever you're picking up cubes, you never have deliveries to go to that location ever. I don't know how it works, <laughs> but it never works. I- it's incredible. I've never had it work where the same location I'm in, the next turn I can make a delivery. It never works. Um, but... It's a really cool pick-up-and-deliver type game. It's That's basically all it is. You're going around picking up stuff and then delivering stuff later. And you're trying to upgrade all of your um, contract cards to get to this like final contract card to get a whole bunch of points. Every completed contract card you have on your board is worth points. And that's one way the game can end. And if you run out of time, that's another way the game can end and whoever has most points. Uh, it's really fun. It's not super hard to teach. It's pretty. It's a lighter weight, I think, uh, Uve game to play, but it's heavy with the decisions and the all the other stuff you have to do to try to get what you need to do, to happen to happen. So, yes, it's easy to teach, but I wouldn't play this with anybody because it, it's a brain burner. So, my number forty five, Mercator. Yes, that sounds like a good game, like just a little bit better than where you put it. To be continued. Um, my number 45 is a game of Panasaurus. Hey, I remember who published it. Um, if only I could remember the designer. Oh, I feel like it's in my brain somewhere. I'll come back to it. I, I have Brian Lewis or something. Oh, okay, I thought I knew it. Um, but that game is Dinosaur Island. I still really like this game. It doesn't hit the table that often because it's so much stuff to set up and I and that's also another reason why it's hard to teach to people because they get intimidated by it but it is not hard to teach like honestly it's just that you have to tell people like don't get overwhelmed don't look at all the stuff let's focus on one section at a time and that's the cool thing about this game so it is Jurassic Park without the IP um, it is like 90s neon themed, but it's what everybody wants to do. And that's make dinosaurs and have a dinosaur park. I mean, it's so great. So you're collecting the DNA to, to create these dinosaurs. You like, yes, the big meat eaters that are flashy and large, they're going to, you know, give you some serious excitement to your park. Um, but they also will eat people and you have to make sure their pens are really secure So there's that balance, having the money, there's never enough money to buy everything that you want um, because not only do you need dinosaurs, but you need, you know, um, a t-shirt stand and um, maybe some rides, some, some food stands. 
So you're trying to get those things. You're trying to get security. Uh, you're trying to keep hooligans out of your park, hiring people. Like there's so much good, good stuff in this game. Every time I play it, I'm like, yes, I love it. I always wanted to keep going because I'm like, oh, yeah, I just got it and I can just get this. Oh, it's over. But it's so great. Um, we have all of, like the fun dinosaur shapes. So, you know, I would play with those and they run around in the park and that's real fun. And I got the water ones, too. Uh, so this is like a smorgasbord of things that Katie loves. So my number 45 is Dinosaur Island. Yeah, every time I play this game, I love it. But man, I look at I'm looking at the boxes now, and I'm thinking, man, it sucks to set this thing up. It does. It is it is awful. Um, so my number forty four is also takes a bit of time to set up, but not as bad as Dinosaur Island. Hardly any games as bad as Dinosaur Island. And it, this one is Merchants of the Dark Road, and this is a game that was actually on my favorite games of 2022. I thought it came out last year, but maybe we just played it early in the year. Um, and this is basically a dice selection game. We're using these dice to move around this rondelle to visit one of, I think, six different locations that are going to have a couple actions that you can take. And you're trying to get different uh, heroes, different types of goods that you can sell for when you go on travels. And eventually you're going to travel to one of these locations. Uh, people may go along with you. You're going to roll some dice to try to get some bonuses or maybe some negative impact. And you're going to get money and or points from these deliveries. Uh, it has that cool mechanism similar to Ark Nova and Rogers of the Ganges where you have, oh no, they don't go backwards, but in Merchants of the Dark Road, you you score your lowest of your two scoring tracks. So there's money and points. Whichever one's your lowest at the end of the game, that's your base score, and then you may get some other bonus points and all that stuff. So you're trying to keep everything even so you're not you know, getting a pile of points, but you have 10 coins and your score is crap. Uh, it's a really clever mechanism. It has great production. We have the retail version. It's still awesome production. And it's just a fun game. So my number 44, Merchants of the Dark Road. Yes, I actually like this a lot. So we'll revisit. Yeah. We'll revisit. I thought you liked it more than me, but I do really like I it. I do like it more than you. Um, my number 44 is a game that, again, is like... It's probably so high just because I love to play with the pieces. It's got my theme. It's got fun stuff to touch and move around. So why wouldn't I love it? And that is Tang Garden. So Tang Garden, you are like placing objects in um, a Japanese garden, which is like my dream like and like they're built like pagodas and and you're putting fish in the koi fish in the ponds and flowers and trees all different kinds of trees and then even the scenery on the side and then you're placing your characters in there um yeah what's not to love but and there's also kind of this not not engine building like I, there is a word for that there is a word for that mechanic and it's a mechanic I really love where it's like you're trying to figure out how to maximize um, like meeting these goals for all these different objects. And I don't know what that what the name of that mechanic is. It's kind of how I feel when you're playing like cards with Red Rising or like Marvel Remix, right? Um, hand, hand management? No, I I don't consider that hand management. I don't I don't know. You're just trying to score a bunch of points by being efficient. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you want to place things in a way that's going to give you the most points where your characters are like 
looking through the most objects um you know each of them has like a special kind of ability so you want like things that they want like you want to meet those needs all while just creating this really beautiful cool garden by placing these tiles out freaking love it it's so pretty um I don't I don't know if like the gameplay itself is great or if I just love designing the garden but either way it's high on my list. So my number 44 is Tang Garden. Yeah, I was going to say, I like this game too, but it is really just a basic <laughs> tile-laying game. Yeah, no. But it has fantastic production. It looks great on the board, and I think that does make it feel mm-hmm. like it's a better game than yeah. it is. Because I really like this game too, and I agree with you, but it's basically a, the 100 Tory <laughs> with really nice production. Similar. Yeah. All right, so my number 43 is a game that is from Brain Crack. And we've played it, we've only played it at two, and it is called Venice. And this is, uh, I, I guess, sort of a pick up and deliver Yeah, I'd game. say it's pick up and deliver. But you're also, so you're trying to get these different cubes that represent different resources, and you're trying to deliver them to certain places to score some points, fulfill contracts. But you're also dropping off some of your workers at different buildings, and to go, and every time you go past those buildings, if there's a worker there, they throw resources at you, or they do whatever the building is. And you're, as other people go to those buildings, your worker gets better. So every time you're driving, you're, you're just moving your boat. You're just getting stuff from all these buildings that you have people in. It's really cool. There's also one of my favorite mechanisms where if you have the most suspicion or espionage or something, I can't remember what they actually use in this game, but if you have the most of it corruption whatever at the end of the game you automatically lose so you're trying to balance how much corruption you're getting every time you see another person's boat you're getting corruption there's other ways to get corruption so you're trying to you have to take some because it's good but you want to make sure you don't have the most because you automatically lose and i love that it's a really cool pickup and deliver game has some great production the board's a little too small but they do have a fix for that and when that comes out hopefully we can snag that so my number 43 Venice. Yeah, this one's really cool and the components are awesome. And I actually like the two player version where you also move this other gondolier um, and just try to get him in the way of other people. And that becomes like a puzzle in and of itself. And I actually enjoy that. Yeah, that is cool. All right. My number 43 is a game that I've been wanting to get back to the table for a long time. And I don't know why we haven't. And I think I want to take it to Christmas. Because I think it's such a fun theme and people like it. And that's Santa Monica. So I think Jason got this for a birthday present one year or something. I think I forced him to buy it. Yeah, maybe. We also have the expansion, too, that we got at Origins that we haven't played. Oh, yeah. I know it's from AEG. I remember that. Yep. It is from AEG. That is correct. It has great art, too. It does. And it also has these cool components, like chunky, like a chunky little food truck. And there's a food truck. And what's the other thing that you can move around? Uh, A foodie. And the foodie. Uh, So basically you're building uh, a beach and a boardwalk. So, and you're doing it by drafting cards from this little um, market. And then you're building your tableau. And this is again, that whatever that mechanic is, because you're trying to get the cards next to um, each other to like satisfy these different like qualifications to gain points. So you're trying to like build points that way by placing certain um, tiles next to each other. Um, Also you can get tourists or people, locals or VIPs. And you're, you also want to move them around to different locations on your beach and your boardwalk to also score points and to keep from losing points. 
And the artwork is super cute. It's fun. Like the colors are so reminiscent of like the idea of a, of a beach boardwalk. Um, even the box art. Like I really, really like this game. It again, not difficult. Like you choose like a row of cards to take. Um, but you can move the foodie around. You can move the food um, truck around. And those give you some couple different abilities. You can um, collect uh, shells or sand dollars, sand, sand dollars, sand yeah. dollars that you can use to kind of um, cash in for like some know, like special powers to allow you to manipulate some things um, to score even more points. Like it's just a really again fairly simple game, but again a lot of strategy with how do I place things to get the most points, and I love that. So my number forty three is Santa Monica. Yeah, it's a great game. I think it would be higher on my list, but the last time I played it, somebody had a bad time. It was probably Brandon. Um, probably. And I don't know. Whenever I play a game and there's a like someone has a bad time, I remember that. Me too. And Me too. then then I can't I can't disassociate and judge it fairly. So yeah, I want to play this again so I can get some good memories. So maybe I can move up. Yeah. All right. So my number forty two is fake a game. news. Well, it's again. I think it's because I haven't played it a lot recently and it's newton uh so this is an italian a game from the italians i don't know which ones um some of them and uh it's a game that has a couple boards out in the middle of the table and what you're trying to do is you're using these cards to take actions and the actions are maybe move around the actual map board to explore different locations you may be able to move some of your students or your scientists up to get these different tiles that you can score points on you may be able to acquire new cards to make your deck better so you can take better actions with your cards. Because at the end of every round, you have to get rid of one of your cards under your board and you're thinning out your deck. So it's got a little bit of deck of worker placement, deck building, all that kind of thing. There's even some building some books on your own private bookshelf to score a bunch of points. It's basically got every mechanism you can imagine thrown in and it just works well together. It's a great game. We also have an expansion for this that we haven't tried yet, but we will someday. So my number 42, Newton. I really like this game a lot more than you. So we'll revisit in a few weeks. Uh, my number 42 has already been talked about, Uwe Rosenberg. It's Mercator. Yeah, this, the only thing that it makes it Uwe-like is that there's a billion different resources that are <laughs> like a bunch of different colored cubes. Um, that is like, oh yeah, I remember this. It's like Agricola with all these different like animals and crops. That's kind of where the similarities stop. But yes, basic pick and deliver, but like trying to fill those contracts, get to the right space, like save time, try to piggyback off other people so that you make your actions um, worth more when it's your turn. Whew. It is a freaking brain burner, but it is so, so good. Like, I love that. I like to have my brain burn sometimes. And Mercator is a, it's a brain burner without being one of the games that are brain burners where there's like 15 different components that all have to work together and you pl plot that out to take your turn. You're like, okay, so I want to go here. In order to go here, I have to get this card. Well, to get this card, I have to do this thing. Well, to do this thing, I have to have these things. Mercator's not like that. But so it's it's brain birdie, but at like a basic level, like how do I freaking get this crap over here before it spoils in like this number of turns? But it's really good. That's why it's my number 42. Yeah, this. Uh, yeah, I already talked about it. So it is. You good. did. 
Yeah, my number 41 is actually my favorite game from Kids Table Board Games. And I know that because I just looked at my list, so I'm not talking about fake news here. And it is Rec Raiders. Um, we've played some of the other ones more, like Creature Comforts and stuff. But I still like this one more because it does... I like the set collection aspect a little bit better. So in this, you're, you're, you're taking on the role of a different of a diver. And you're diving down into the ocean to... Um, explore like wrecks to bring up treasures and stuff. You're either trying to collect the treasures for yourself and put them on display, or you're trying to donate them to the museum to score points. That's the gist. Um, you're doing that by drafting dice. The dice are going to tell you where you can place a worker. When you place your worker, it's going to give you something, and then both the workers to your left and to your right. So if you place it correctly, you may get a pile of stuff. You place it incorrectly, you may not get as much. If you bump somebody out, they go to the beach. You collect some resources that you can spend to do some cool stuff. It's great art. It's a super fun game. It's as, as far as a kid's table board game goes, it's maybe a little heavier. It's not heavy by any means, but it does have a little more rules than some of the other ones. But I, I don't know. I just really like this one. Maybe because it's the first one I played and I just have a soft spot for it. But it's a solid game. So my number 41, Wreck Raiders. Yes, um, this this has some seriously cool bits to it. I don't know that it's my favorite, um, but it's like it's freaking adorable. I think it's the first one we owned, and I was super impressed by it. Yeah, it is the first one we had, and the one we probably have played the most still. My number forty one is a game that for a while was creeping down for me because I was like, Ugh. and then we played it, and I was like, oh. I had a really good experience. I like saw the game in a whole new light. It pushed me in new directions. And now I'm like, dude, I need to play this game more. And that's Everdell. Um, again, Everdell has always had beautiful components. Like, I don't, Jason, like, the trick. Can I say that? Ooh. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> I shouldn't. This I'm is not even, I'm not even going to edit it. There's that No, sound. please edit it. Jason complains about the tree. <laughs> and. Just, just beep it. <laughs> I didn't mean to say it. I, I do complain about the tree because I think the tree is stupid. It's a sherbety piece of tree. It's not sherbety. It's cool. Um, I think it's cool. I, the components, like I love the squishy berries and the smooth rocks, and like I that makes it for me. The artwork is gorgeous, but I love. This is another one of those, not only is it tableau building, but it's also like, okay, how do I make the most of the cards that I have? And it can get real strategic if you're trying to put out the best cards and like make those combos really work um, to like rack up those points. I just, and last time I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is like working for me. Things were synergizing. I was like, okay, cool, cool. I'm like, we like went through a bunch of cards in the deck, just kind of like refining what our tableaus were and stuff. And it was a really, it was a good time. It was a good time. Um, it's also flipping adorable. In fact, like for a while, I was like, why would anyone want an expansion to this? Whatever. Now I'm like, man, I think I need to check out these expansions because I have thoroughly enjoyed this game and it's, it's moved up in my esteem and it's one that I want to I want to get out more with people because it's so good. So that's um, number forty one, Everdell. Yeah, people have been offloading those expansions since they got that nice shiny collector's edition out now. So I've been on a lookout. Have you? I mean, not a ton, but I mean, <laughs> just just seeing it there for sale casually. 
Yeah. I just never know. Like Jason's like, oh yeah. And like games just start showing up at her house. I'm like, where'd this come from? Oh, I made a trade for it. Uh, someone's selling it in the geek market for cheap. And I'm like, okay, sure. You never know what's going to show it's, up at our house. It's mostly trades and stuff I give for a few, mostly. <laughs> All right. So that's the end of our list for this episode. So Jace, count us back down, starting with your number 50 as a reminder. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I was actually thinking about it this time. <laughs> uh, my number 50 is Maracaibo. 49 is Wingspan. 48, The Godfather, Corleone's Empire. 47, Thebes. 46, Aquasphere. 45, Mercator. 44, Merchants of the Dark Road. 43, Venice. 42, Newton. And 41, Wreck Raiders. And my number 50 was Covert. 49, The 100 Tory. Tory. 48, Taverns of Tiefenthal. 47, also Thebes. 46, Ark Nova. 45, Dinosaur Island. 44, Tang Garden. 43, Santa Monica. 42, Mercator. And number 41, Everdell. Well, I'm back, baby. <laughs> um, thanks for everyone who's reached out. Thank you guys for keeping the riveted going, for commenting, for um, posting pictures. Yes, yes, yes. Let's keep it up. The holiday season is a great time to spend with people that you love and some that you don't uh, playing games. So as you're with your holiday gatherings, take snap some pics, um, post, you've got our Instagram to Twitter, um, the Discord chat, the Facebook page, hashtag the riveted, um, I don't know, tag us in a TikTok video, whatever, so that we can see what games you're playing and we can join in in that holiday spirit. Yeah, I try to at least interact with most of the pictures, um, but I can't get to all of them. Sorry. I do at least look at them and I say, oh, man, I like that game. But then, you know, so just know if you post it, I'm going to look at it. Yes. If you care. Yeah, we absolutely do. Um, also, if if you've been on, if you were on the nice list this year, I obviously was on the naughty list, um, as we can see <laughs> by the content of this podcast. Um, but if you were on the nice list and got some games from Santa or Pierre Noel, uh, Pierre Fouettard came to my house, apparently. Um Please post those too. I love to see how your collections are growing. Um, check out some new games that are out there. If someone introduced a new game to you, I love that, love that. So keep it up, everybody. Yeah, maybe find some deep cuts like Pirate 21. We'd love to hear about those. I love finding about games like that. That's that's interesting to me. Absolutely. Well, before I get myself into more trouble, I guess we should be done. <laughs> Yeah, it's only a matter of time before you say another bad word. <sighs> Please tell me you'll believe that. I feel so bad. I'm going to tell your grandma that you said Oh my gosh, word. no. My grandma watched one of our Facebook Lives. <laughs> she watched one of our Facebook Lives. I did not say Sherbity or anything on the Facebook Live. Because I, I thought my aunt was joking um, that my grandma was watching with her. And then later my grandma was like, I watched your thing on the Facebooks the other night. You know how grandmas do. And she was like, I don't know how you f can talk about something like that for an hour. And then she goes, well, I guess you never had problems with that. And I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> All that your aunt Sam said was, "You." When, I laughed so hard when you said, hey, Katie, your grandma's watching. Make sure you don't say anything bad. <laughs> <laughs> so now, as long as grandma doesn't know how to get to a podcast, I guess we're okay. She, she, I mean, she barely knows how to uh, sometimes adjust her <laughs> Wi-Fi on her phone. I think we're okay 
with the podcast piece. I think we're okay. I know. Somehow she got to the Facebook Live, so. <laughs> well, Sam, Sam did it. She didn't I know. My aunt, my aunt's going to be in trouble. I'm going to buy her off. <laughs> <sighs> well, I've been Potty Mouth Katie. <laughs> yeah, I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming.